A few weeks ago, we heard from Andrea Zollner on how to implement a good Instagram strategy. Well, another social network that seems like a hidden gem for content is LinkedIn. So I brought on my friend Kara North to talk to us. Kara is in the e-learning space, and we definitely talk about being in the e-learning space as we are both there. But I also wondered how she always seems to be trending on LinkedIn. So we talk about the smart way to build your network, to add shareable content, and maybe even make a few worthwhile connections. I learned a lot that I've already started implementing and seeing results on, so I know you will too. Definitely be sure to listen to this one. It is a good one. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Kara North. She is the principal consultant at The Learning Camel. Kara, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Joe? I am doing fantastic. I am, or fantastically, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to uh, lower the impact of my New York accent by calling you Kara instead of like Kara, like the hard like A in the middle. Uh, <laughs> but it sounded weird to me. Anyway, Kara and I met at uh, Learning Dev Camp a couple of years ago, right? Was it 2018, I think? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Salt Lake yeah. City. It was a great yeah. conference and really enjoyed your session. And that's where I first learned about this tool called LearnDash. And that was really neat to see that in action. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I remember I, I went to, I think I went to your talk as well, but like you were like all over the social media and uh, it was really great to connect with you there. So I'm glad that we managed to stay in touch. Uh, because today, on top of e-learning, you do something that uh, eludes me, and I'm really curious about it, but we are connected on LinkedIn, and you always seem to be trending in the e-learning hashtag or space or whatever whatever you share ha- happens to be trending. So I do want to talk about that, but first, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I've been in the learning development space for pretty much my entire professional career. Like a lot of people, I fell into it. And my husband always struggles with telling people what I do for a living. He often says, oh, my wife makes those computer trainings, the e-learnings. And (laughs) then people usually groan. And I'm like, no, my stuff doesn't look like that, I promise. So I know there's a lot of garbage out there and it's got a bad reputation. But I assure you, there are people trying to change that uh, perception of it. So uh, I just actually recently uh, left my job at a higher education institution, moved into a corporate learning and development role in a leadership position and uh, really loving it so far. So I'm still in my onboarding phase. This is week three for me, but it's been really great to get kind of back into the corporate space. So um, my total experience, I've been in higher ed. I've been in corporate. Uh, Before I did higher ed, I was at Amazon for a few years and uh, really enjoyed that as well. Very lucky. I got a lot of my formative experience at Amazon. I think it made me better for various reasons. But uh, yeah, and I'm also uh, finishing up my PhD currently in learning technologies. So I am a PhD candidate. So I survived uh, the hell called candidacy and um, hopefully getting that done and hoping to be done with my dissertation by the end of this year. And I'll be have that doctor uh, title, which will be pretty cool. But I'll still be Kara for most people. But if you're a jerk, you're going to call me Dr. North because it sounds like a villain. And I really like that. <laughs> Dr. North does sound like a villain. That's awesome. Um, and I know you have an affinity for villains because you uh, you had a cat. I think the cat, did the cat pass away? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, he died oh. a couple months ago. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But uh, his name was Palpatine, right? Yes. Yeah, I do love villains. I don't know why. I think because they're just misunder misunderstood. Uh, there's a lot of layers to villains. So maybe that's why I like them. For sure. Uh, we're going to do a quick nerdy sidebar here, uh, listeners. But my daughter is three and app, like she loves Darth Vader and she loves Count Dooku. Like she just loves the villains. Uh, and I just read Dooku Jedi Lost. I don't know if you consume the extended universe stuff, but Love very the good. Darth Maul book. Yeah, I haven't read Dooku, nice. but I do have the Darth Maul book. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it made me a little bit sad for the Count. So um, <laughs> anyway... Back, back to our regularly scheduled interview. Um, 
So yeah, so you you recently left higher ed. I feel like we we took very similar paths, right? I was in I was self employed uh, when I got after I got my master's, but I was in higher ed for a few years, and I really loved it, and it was a, a growing experience for me. But I feel like there's a point uh, where you're like, there's something something is different in me now, and I need to find a different path. And so I got a job in, uh, in corporate world and agency. Um, so anyway, I feel like we have a very similar path there, and that's pretty pretty nifty. But uh, you are in the learning development space, um, and so what? So y- I want to maybe clarify exactly what you do there, right? Because I, you know, when I say I'm in e-learning or online courses, I I think that's a little bit different, maybe from what you do. I create my own courses, and I sell them, or I create courses for LinkedIn Learning, uh, and they're part of the membership there. Um, but what you do is a little bit different from that, right? Yeah. So mine is primarily focused on, well, previously in higher ed, it was on the education aspect of the academic facing part of the organization. But now that I'm back in a corporate role, it is for multiple reasons. One, and the one that I love the most, and this is what gets me really excited, is I build out uh, skill matrices and career development journeys for people. So for example, you started a company, you're brand new, and you're like, I really like it here and I'd love to stay, but God, gosh darn it, I don't know how I'm going to grow. Then you could have this plan in front of you to tell you exactly what it takes to get to the next level of your job, how to move up into management and how to continue to grow. And then, you know, you look back and you've been at the company 10 or 15 years and you've really enjoyed your own personal journey growing. So that's one thing that I hope to do in my new role. Um, And then other things that I do is I really look to kind of solve the performance needs of the organization. So for example, how does somebody learn how to do something the quote-unquote right way at that organization? How is somebody continuing to be safe at that organization where there's no bodily harm to themselves or someone else? And what does that that look like? And then, of course, the third, everyone's favorite, is the compliance piece. So the legal mm-hmm. piece of it, uh, what are the things that that organization has to have people go through? What are kind of those annual compliance things that um, they need to do? And that's always the one I think that gets the worst reputation, but they don't have to be so dry and boring, I feel like. And, you know, I, I, I see a lot of times it's the same thing every year. So how can you look to continue to grow the content and make it to where it is something that is not as boring? Because what I see a lot of these compliance courses, Joe, and I'm sure you've seen them too, is they start off, welcome to this course. Here's the learning (laughs) objectives of this, you know, and talk about a snooze fest. And mm-hmm. I mean, listen, and that's even before you fight to get into that learning management system. I mean, that's what a seven to nine click system a lot of times just to get to the blasted course. And then you yep. open it up and you're explaining this grand reveal and it's like, blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, you can't move forward. You have to wait. It, it, it is a pain. It's no wonder people don't like learning and development for the most part, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um I agree wholeheartedly and and you know again being in uh higher ed I had to do some of that uh some of that compliance training you know like keeping uh data secure and things like that and uh, there were just the things like I know this but I can't fast forward I can't just do the assessment um and it's so dry This episode is brought to you by Boosted Creating well-designed marketing videos for social media can be hard. I know because I've tried. With Boosted, you can easily create beautiful-looking marketing videos that are optimized to get business results. You can choose from a wide range of templates to create ads, Instagram stories, tutorials, or anything else you can think of. And the best part is they won't look like everyone else's videos. And on iOS, you can create images too. Boosted is your one-stop shop for all of your social content. You create great looking graphics and videos to help your business stand out. I've been using Boosted to come up with a series of short videos for my own projects, and I honestly can't believe how easy it is. I'm hooked. The app is free to download with a bunch of templates out of the box. But if you want to try Boosted Premium, you can. Listeners of the show can get an exclusive deal. $5 for the first three months. 
just visit howibuilt.it slash boosted. Again, that's howibuilt.it slash B-O-O-S-T-E-D. Stop struggling to create marketing videos that look good. Get Boosted Premium and start making videos that will get results. Again, that link is howibuilt.it slash boosted for three months of Boosted Premium for just $5. And now, back to the show. The audience for this podcast is mostly technical people or small business owners um, that are probably looking to educate their clients uh, on how to use this particular product or service, but uh, solve the performance needs of the organization, right? The second um, kind of bullet in in your list of uh, responsibilities uh, includes training employees and making sure they do things the right way. What is what is that like, right? Because I there's like a whole process, right? You need to figure out what the right way is, then you need to figure out where the employee is in their journey or whatever. Can you um can you give us like a high level overview of what small business owners can do in their own organization to help onboard either contractors, which I know like I hire mostly contractors or full-time employees? Sure. I think the first one is to really and I hate to say this, think of training as a last resort. So training isn't this magic bullet that's going to fix everything out of the gate. Um, It is a big investment if you're going to do it right. So just kind of, again, think of it that way, like training, this big training package, if you will, isn't always the right answer. So I I would probably caution with that. But um, high-level overview, a couple of things you want to do. To me, the central heart of it is what is it that you want them to do with it? What's in it for them? So what is the information that they have to have and how is that going to make them a better contractor? How's that going to make them uh, be more successful in your business? Once you kind of outline that, then I feel like you can kind of make the decision of where you want to go next. But I've seen oftentimes, especially in this compliance world, Joe, uh, specifically, there's not a lot of what's in it for me. It's just basically here, we're going to give you this fire hose of content that legally we have to do. And then you're going to take this assessment that's written really poorly that you can probably guess the correct answer if you haven't even like paid attention to this point. And then we're going to make you sign a little sheet here saying that you finished it. But once you finish it, then it's that's it. So um, there's, there's many ways to think about this. So for me, I, I really advocate, I think, for uh, the human on the other side of it. I think a lot of times learning and development professionals specifically forget there's a human being on the other side of whatever it is that we're building. So really think about how do you make it simple, concise, and as close as you can get to giving them that information in their moment or flow of work is critical. So you don't have to make it all verbose. You don't have to make it this big, complicated thing that simple, concise training is some of the hardest stuff you'll ever do because there's a refinement there and you have to really determine what is it they absolutely need, mapping it back to those objectives, those performance objectives of what it is in it for them. If you can do that, that's great. But here's here's another sidebar. If you have all this and you're like, well, I did all this work and look at all this great stuff I have, don't throw it away. Keep it. Put it in a junk mm-hmm. drawer. You can put it in a file, put it in a Dropbox, however you organize your business. Keep it aside. And then as people are continuing to grow or whatever, then you can see if they need that ancillary information. And then you can kind of drip it and get it in, again, their flow of work. So I think that would be kind of a high-level overview. Perfect world. No red tape, no bureaucracy of what that would look like. I know that makes it really clean and easy-looking, but practicing this in the real world does doesn't look like that. It's often very messy. Yeah, for sure. And I, so I love two things you said there. Um, what's in it for me? I think a lot of employers or people who hire contractors just think, well, the what's in it for the employee is that they're getting paid, right? But studies have shown that at a certain level, like it doesn't matter what they're getting paid. They have to enjoy the work and what they're doing. And um, so I love that. And then deliver the information at the moment they need it. Uh, when, when I was onboarding at my job in higher ed, I had like two weeks of training or onboarding where I would just sit with a different employee every day and they would show me something in their process. And 
I didn't know. Well, like when it came time for me to actually do it, I had to ask whoever it was again. I basically just knew who to ask. Um, so, you know, and, uh, on the other side, when I worked at my agency, like they kind of, they trusted me enough to throw me into the deep end on day one, uh, where I was like doing a project for Disney on day one, which is crazy. And, uh, they were just like, here's our process. Here's some documentation. If you have any questions, let us know. But I, I was trained a lot better, right? Because I was like, oh, all right, well, I'm now trying to do this. How do I do this? Um, They didn't just like walk me through a screen share of setting up the environment. They had me do it. So I think that that's really important, delivering the information at the moment they need it because that's when they'll remember it, right? Learn by doing is something I say all the time. Yep. So, awesome. Uh, So... That's great. Training employees, um, the <laughs> the compliance piece. How? Let's before we get into my big LinkedIn question, because uh, I do want to set the stage a little bit here. You you are a wealth of knowledge. You're going for your PhD. Something I thought about doing, uh, but then I decided, like, I'm, as a self employed person, I don't need a PhD right now. The master's was enough for me. Um, but uh, I think that. Making learning material interesting is such a big challenge. Uh, when I taught at the University of Scranton, like I taught as, as well as being in the IT department, we had a computer, cl- we had a class called computer literacy that every freshman had to take. And it was like from a textbook that one of like the staff wrote that was re- written in like 1994. And I was teaching it in 2014. And one of the other teachers said to me, like a couple years in to me doing this, like, oh, well, comp lit is pretty much on autopilot now. And I'm like, comp lit is the most work I do because I'm trying to give them interesting, relevant current events and not like, here's how you convert from decimal to binary. Uh, So all of that preamble to say, what are some things that you can do to make uh, some of this compliance stuff and the information that they really need to know, like interesting to consume? Oh, great question. couple things. I think the first is, again, remember that there's a human there. So make it relative to them, especially when it comes to compliance or whatever your business needs is for the training. Uh, put them in a situation that they're going to face in that organization. So um, I'm a big advocate for stories and and scenarios of placing the person in the work environment and being very clear who they are in that environment. You are a web developer. You are a uh, practitioner. Whatever your, your people are, put them in that environment and give them kind of the ideas, uh, apply, give them opportunities to apply that content in a work setting, again, because it makes it a little bit more sticky for them instead of just reading about it. And a peeve of mine, Joe, is seeing these big scenarios with, it sounds like it's a reality TV show. It's got all these different names in it and you're digging through. It's like, well, what should this person do? I don't know. Like, are they feeling salty today? Are they going to uh, have a little <laughs> little meltdown or are they actually going to do the right thing? It, it, it doesn't matter. So putting them in it, I think really anchors it. Another thing too is surprise people. I, I, I think that especially learning and development content a lot of times does get a bad reputation. There's kind of this preamble of there has to be a next button in it and all of this stuff. Surprise them. So one of my favorite examples, and I I love it so much, um, one of my mentors, his name is Mike Taylor, and he used to work for a utility company and had to do a compliance course on phishing. And so he inherited this big PowerPoint of all these things about what to talk about, you know, to stop people from, you know, clicking links in the emails they shouldn't be clicking, whatever. So he took this information. Real quick, to be clear, you mean like email phishing, right? Not like rod and reel phishing. Okay, cool. I mean, I would like to make a course on real fishing. Yeah. That'd be cool, yeah, right. But yeah. So uh, <laughs> case in point. But so he, he inherited all this stuff, good stuff, good information, not throwing kind of the baby out with the bathwater. But he started the course off instead of welcome to the course on fishing. He started off with a question. Hey, you want to spend someone else's money today? 
And then it's like, and then you click yes or no. And then if you hit no, it's like, well, for this purpose, let's say, yeah. It's like, um, have you ever dreamed on, uh, have you ever wanted to go on this big dream vacation? You know, so he sets a scene and he's like, then he introduces this character named Shady Grady. And so then it's the same information, but it's flipped. And you're seeing the information from the perspective of, you know, why does this happen? Well, it happens because it's easy to get your information. People throw things away. People are careless with various things. People don't read things carefully. So it's easy for people to get away with it. But you're still getting a lot of those kind of safeguards in there, but it's just from a different perspective. And it makes it a little bit more memorable and engaging than, oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. When you have kind of this like fluid story in it, I think that that makes it really powerful. So don't be afraid to shake it up a little bit, do something a little bit different because those are some of the most memorable experiences. Like I saw that, um, that he showed me, gosh, I want to say four or five years ago. And I still remember it. I still remember like the shirt the guy had on. Cause I mean, it was <laughs> a perfect character that he picked to personify this shady Grady. And he had these big rings on and, and everything. So, um, you know, have how, how a there's something to be said about having kind of this sense of humor with it that you can kind of ground it in something that makes it a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's like, you know, a lot of people will tell public speakers, right? Like start with a story, suck the, like bring the, the watcher, the listener in to your world. Don't just start off with a definition of fishing because it's super boring. Um, so I think that's, that's really great. Uh, in, in again, just to bring it back to some of my classroom experience, right? Like we would have class discussions all the time. There were times where like students who asked me to follow them on Twitter, I would point out why they shouldn't ask me to follow them on Twitter. Like one of my students tweeted like, uh, oh, missing comp lit class today because the Starbucks line is long. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. So the next time she was in class, I brought this up and I was like, let's talk about social media today. Uh, and that was engaging content. So I think that's, that's a really, um, a really great piece of advice, whether you're creating training documentation for your product, whether you're training employees or doing some sort of compliance stuff that you have to do. So I think that's really great. Um, so you also are, uh, you know, a focus of season nine of the podcast is, creating good content to help small business owners uh, develop their business and, and generate more leads. And social media can, is, can be a grab bag for that. Um, but on top of creating content for learning material, you're also very good at sharing content. And this was kind of the reason I reached out is because you always seem to be trending on LinkedIn. Um, so I, this is so weird. When I said this to you and the listeners, when I said this to Carrie in the pre-show, she was like very shocked and thought it was funny that I want to ask her about this. I'm still but laughing. You, yeah, right. But you, but you're so consistent. Like every time I look at my notifications, it's like Kara North is trending in e-learning about this. Um, do you have a strategy or are there things that you do that seem to work when you're sharing specifically on LinkedIn? Because I feel like LinkedIn is a different beast from like Facebook and Twitter. And then like there's the Instagram story strategy. But, um, you know, you can probably get some pretty good leads from LinkedIn because that's where mostly professionals are hanging out. So what what is a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about your process for deciding what to share on LinkedIn and, and how you do it? Sure. So I will have full disclosure here. I actually was kind of a late adopter to the professional social media game in particular. So I actually got a Twitter in 2016 because I went to a learning development conference and heard that that was an, like one of the number one professional development tools. And that was a big community of people that are in my same profession that were on it. And so I put a lot of my stock in Twitter for the past, gosh, for, I would say probably up until 2018. And then, um, I saw what was happening on LinkedIn and I was like, there's a lot of great content here. I think that this is something I need to also add into kind of my social media portfolio. So then I've actually, I would say now I put more time and effort into LinkedIn than I do Twitter uh, for the most part. So a couple of things. So let's see. So with LinkedIn, I am, let's see, very kind of 
I'll start off with I'm kind of more particular about my LinkedIn garden than I am on Twitter. So when I say that, I mean, if someone's connecting with me, I want them to kind of be in the same profession as me or something a little bit, you know, kind of at the peripherals. So I love connecting with uh, students that are getting ready to start this as a career. I love uh, connecting with teachers who are looking to, again, maybe transition into this as a career. Um, I actually love connecting with other creative professionals just on the fringes. So um, folks that are really creative with like building graphics, content, marketing, et cetera. Because again, I kind of feel like that's on the peripheral of what, what I do. But, you know, easy way for me not to connect with you is to say, hey, I saw your profile. Let's hop on a 15-minute call. No, like my time is <laughs> valuable. And I don't want to just call anybody. I'm really particular on who I talk to on the the phone personally. But anyway, I digress. So that's kind of, I think, the first step, Joe, is you have to kind of know who you're building, who are your connections, kind of who's your core audience. So on my Twitter, it's more of a, it started off like that, but I ended up, you know, I'm a huge Animal Crossing player. So I have Animal Crossing people. Nice. Um, I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. I have Carolina Panther fans on my, you know, so it's more about me as, as a person, even though my profession is a sliver of who I am as a person. I feel like my Twitter is more kind of a hodgepodge, whereas LinkedIn, I've been very intentional of, I want it to be very kind of profession focused. So that's kind of my first step. Second step. Oh, go ahead. I have a. Yeah, I have a quick follow-up there because I, I've i been trying to, you know, uh, tend to my LinkedIn garden similarly, but uh, I have two questions about connecting with people. Do you need to know the person personally or like have you had to have met them or worked with them in order to connect with them? Ooh, me personally, I'm not a snob yeah. about that. Um, I'm fine okay. with if I don't have a personal connection with them because you just never know that person might be able to help you or share a job or, or do something that helps you one day. So that that does not bother me personally. I know other people may feel differently, but for me, if I don't personally know you, um, that's not a deal breaker. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Cause I mean, I was getting so much spam for a while that I was like, that's it. Like LinkedIn is like Facebook, but I don't, I don't think I'm doing it right. Um, so, uh, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to take that advice to heart. This episode is brought to you by iThemes. Did you know that 60% of website breaches occur because a vulnerability could have been patched, but wasn't? That means having software with known vulnerabilities installed on your site gives hackers the blueprint they need to take over your site. Every day, it gets harder and harder to keep track of every disclosed WordPress vulnerability. You have to compare that list to your plugins and themes by version and make sure you're constantly updating. To solve this problem, the iThemes Security Pro plugin created a better way to protect your sites against software vulnerabilities, the number one culprit of WordPress sites. The new improved WordPress security site scan powered by iThemes performs automatic checks for known website vulnerabilities and automatically applies available fixes so you don't have to. Whew. That's some peace of mind. And I could speak personally to this because as somebody who has repaired hacked websites, I know that it could be costly and dangerous to lose information, especially when it's personally identifiable. So iTheme Security Pro also includes a ton of other features to help you keep the bad guys out. Brute force protection, two-factor authentication, passwordless logins, and compromised password protection, plus a whole lot more to keep you safe. If you want to start securing your sites today, head over to howibuilt.it slash iThemes to get the best WordPress security plugin to secure and protect WordPress. iThemes is giving How I Built It listeners a 20% discount by using the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout. Again, that's HowIBuilt.it slash iThemes. That's HowIBuilt.it slash I-T-H-E-M-E-S. And use the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. Do you connect with people? Like, do you look for people to connect to or do you generally just let other people connect to you? Oh, yeah. I totally connect with people, especially if there's somebody that, 
you know, one of my connections has commented on some of their stuff and I've seen that they are great about putting out their own content or specifically because I have a huge bleeding heart for people trying to get into this profession. I'm extremely biased, but especially now with everything going on, I feel like it is the hottest time ever to come into learning and development. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, another little side soapbox, I feel like there are people that are trying to take advantage of these new folks and they're getting bamboozled. Sign up for my course where I promise you a job and you don't get a job because I'm a scuzz Mm -hmm. bucket. So I I really want to try to safeguard people generally from finding these people. But, and again, if you're new, how do you vet these people? I mean, how do you know? You see that they have a LinkedIn uh, profile. They may have this fancy title that they, they self-gave themselves or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how do you know a lot of times? So uh, for me, especially if I see students or new people posting, I want to get started in instructional design. I'm, I do, I, I connect with them and just send them a message. Hey, I see you're new here. Love to try to help you any way that, that I can. Oh, that's such a great strategy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to steal both of those things because I think that's great. You know, because I mean, that's, we're both in it to help people, obvious, I think obviously for both of us, at least. And um, I think that keeping my guard up, I'm a little too sus- like suspicious of people. <laughs> Anytime somebody connects to me, I'm like, oh, what do they want to sell me? Um, but I, I think I need to let my guard down a little bit. So uh, I love I love both of those things. Um, okay, so... We've handled the who you're going to connect to people. Now you were going to make a second point that I very rudely interrupted, but I'd love to hear that now. (laughs) Yeah, so second point is I do think there's something to be said about being consistent. And easiest way for me to be consistent is I use a tool called Buffer. And Buffer basically helps schedule out uh, various posts. And the great thing about it is I can use it with my Twitter and my LinkedIn. Now, I need to get back in the rhythm. I kind of dropped off being consistent because I was focusing on going through my PhD candidacy, but I do plan on picking it picking it back up. But essentially, my routine when I get up in the morning, and I'm sure this is probably going to be the exact same for several of your listeners, Joe, I'd say whatever it is that you do for a living, you're probably very passionate about it. And so Mm -hmm. one of the first things you do is when you wake up, you're getting ready, you're kind of moving around, you're checking your LinkedIn, you're checking your Twitter, you're checking your Facebook, you're reading about things that impact your profession. And for me, one of the easiest things to do to get started on a consistent strategy is if you read something somebody posts or you see a great article about, you know, something from a, a a source you you trust or whatever, instead of just reading it and being like, wow, that's really cool, share it. Easy way to curate content. So if it's something that struck a chord with you, it's an easy way to share it. And they have a couple different options. If you just want to get started, then with Buffer, you just get the URL and then you can schedule it. And the thing I love about Buffer, Joe, is it will suggest times based on your followers of when most people are on. And so I think that might be part of my secret sauce because it will automatically mm. select those times for me. And then I just trust trust uh, whatever it says for it to be scheduled out. And I don't know if there's actually a, a magic number there. Um, you know, some people may say, oh, you need to do, you know, X amount. I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert. This is just kind of my own little process. But if there's a lot of value on one day, I might spread that out over two days. So then I might hop over to the next day and go ahead and schedule one or two things. But a um, couple of things for when you share, like you can just share it as is with nothing. Um, you can share it with a little bit of your own commentary. So the nice thing is, especially on LinkedIn, you got a lot of real estate when you're adding in a post with a link. I want to say it's about uh, 700 characters or something like that, I think, wow, in real estate. Wow, like it, it is. <laughs> I mean, you have a lot of real estate. In, and again, that's just me spitballing here. But you do have a lot of real estate to work with. So you could say, you know, this really made an impact on me. These are my big takeaways. And then put a call to action in there. Hey, this is what I got out of it. What'd you get out of it? What are the things you liked about it? Does this make sense to where you're at? Is your process any different? Is your process the same? I'd love to hear about it. And then what happens is if you put it and they take the time to read it, it struck a chord with them, then guess what? 
yeah, you know what? I agreed with this, but maybe this is not the way or this is. And then guess what? Then you get the engagement. And then the more the engagement goes up, then more eyeballs it comes on other speeds. And it says, oh, my second connection commented on that. Let me see what that is. And then it continues to snowball and continues to snowball to when you're trending. And Joe Casabona says, hey, you're trending. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's That's awesome. So first of all, I love Buffer. Um, I will link to that in the show notes, which you can find over at howibuilt.it. I'll also link to a video that I made about automating um, shares to Buffer. However, uh, that's like mostly for Twitter. Um, It sounds like you might want to take a little bit of extra time here to uh, curate the right content for LinkedIn and put a call to action. Man, I love that because I never do that. And uh, it's very obvious. But, you know, if I'm like, I share my podcast episodes on LinkedIn, for example, right? And uh, I just share it. And I don't say like, what did you think? What's your struggle with starting a podcast? How come you're not trending on LinkedIn? Like whatever the call to action could be. Um, and I think that's that's a really great uh, idea that you probably won't, will see less of on Twitter, for example. Well, there's not enough room. A lot of times like you yeah. have to do a thread right. a lot of times to get to that kind of level of, of detail. So um, again, I think that's why LinkedIn, you do have kind of those bigger engagements. Now, another thing that I've heard, and I think there's is still some debate about this, but people have told me, and I've seen other people do this, where they will write out and have all the stuff in the, the description of the post, but then it's like link to whatever in the comments. And the reason a lot of times people do that supposedly is because the algorithm, the LinkedIn algorithm, liked that better and said that they would, because I guess the rating system was like, you know, comments are above likes or whatever your emoji Mm. is, is above shares. So I think like comments are kind of king, at least they used to be. Again, don't know what the the current makeup of it is. Now, personally, that is not a strategy that I do because buffer, I can't really do that. So I have to kind of put right. it all in that one little little piece. Now, I do see that other people do that. So if for some reason, maybe you don't want to do buffer, or if you are experimenting, you might also try that. And again, just do it as kind of like a quick little pilot test and maybe put out one post uh, one day with the way that with a call to action and put out another post the other day with maybe another call to action and link to comments and see what works best for you. I, you, you don't know until you try. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely, and and you know, with the caveat that the algorithm can change all the time, right? Um, I think on on I've seen YouTubers more recently as we record this start explicitly asking for comments, like comments help the algorithm. Um, so definitely, you know, I'll link to some resources in the show notes too on how to stay on top of like social media algorithms if 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 such a thing exists. Uh, now, I. I do have a question about two things that I've been trying to do because they were recommended, and that's hashtags and tagging people. Uh, naturally, when I see the notification Kara North is is trending on LinkedIn, it's usually for some hashtag. What's your hashtag strategy? Ooh, that's a great one. So again, just based on what I what I've seen, I think that you get punished if you use too many. And the number that I've heard float around is like no more than three and if you do more than three it kind of dilutes it and it's like what are you doing you're spamming the crap out of people so for me again because I know the people I'm connected with um, I know e-learning is definitely one that is going to be my hat so typically my two main ones are e-learning and instructional design now uh, because of everything going on in the world I've really tried to make an effort to share any job postings that I've seen um, because mm-hmm. I think that's really important my best friend and podcasting partner lost his job during all of this and if it can happen to a brilliant designer like him it can happen to anybody so um, the other one I've been putting in is you know hashtag jobs or hashtag, you know, career development or hashtag whatever. Um, So I kind of have that third one as a floater, Joe, as kind of a rule. So I'd say my two main ones I'm consistent with are instructional design and e-learning. But that third one, I usually float it to try to be a little bit more specific for whatever it is that I'm, I'm sharing. This episode is sponsored by Circle CI. 
Whether you're on a development team, manage a development team yourself, or you have a business that relies on working software, a good process is so important to making sure you're creating high quality work. Continuous integration, or the ability to check and manage code automatically, can help you and your developers streamline the process in a big way. And CircleCI is here to help. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit howibuilt.it slash CircleCI to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their continuous integration and delivery pipelines. As someone who's worked on big coding projects for big companies with distributed development teams, I can tell you that continuous integration tools have helped us make sure we deliver working code to our clients. It helps instill trust in our team, and it lets our team focus on solving new problems instead of dealing with the same ones over and over again. So once again, learn how CircleCI can help you end your business at howibuilt.it slash CircleCI. As a special bonus for How I Built It listeners, CircleCI is having a virtual raffle where you can win a pair of the newest Sony noise-canceling headphones. Improve your team's processes and enter for a chance to win at howibuilt.it slash CircleCI. That's C-I-R-C-L-E-C-I. And now, back to the show. Again, and that, I think that's probably another thing that I do wrong. I'll do like five or six, you know, just whatever topics I think, or variations on topics too, right? That's the other thing. There's like podcast and podcasting and podcast host. And I'm like, well, I guess we'll get a trending for all of those. But, um, you know, too many hashtags. On Instagram, if you see too many hashtags, it's like a turnoff for me. So um, I don't know why I thought LinkedIn would be any different. Uh, and then specific, so I'm asking about tagging people specifically because LinkedIn is always like, Hey, like five people have seen your post. Maybe try tagging somebody in it. Do you tag people a lot? Or like, do are these previous tips, uh, the ones that seem to work best for you? Great question. So I just want to follow up and say one other thing about the hashtag and then I'll answer the Mm, tagging question. So if you're not sure about the hashtag, you should be able to search it before you post. And so that's another great tip. Don't share, don't waste your kind of hashtag real estate on a hashtag that doesn't really exist or have much traction. Mm -hmm. So I, I would recommend do your homework, see what hashtags maybe fit you and your business and then go ahead and implement them, but don't just post one or just make one up. Just, you know, fingers crossed it's going to trend because yeah. you, you need to check to make sure that there is kind of a following of that hashtag before you do it. Um, right. Now, uh, actually, follow up to that follow up. Yeah. Um, you use Buffer, but the LinkedIn interface recommends hashtags. Have you seen that? Would you... Uh, would you still say like search before you post because who knows what the LinkedIn algorithm is recommending? Like maybe just the last person to share uh, use that hashtag or whatever? Oh, great question. So typically before I put it in Buffer, I already know what those hashtags are. So um, I do look like for that third floaty one before I... Mm-hmm schedule it in Buffer, I would have already done my research on LinkedIn of what that third floating one is going to be and where it can have the most impact. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Cool. All right. So, uh, tagging people. Tagging people. All right. Tell me about it. Um, this is another way I feel like you can definitely build your brand of expertise on LinkedIn. And one of my favorite things to do is um, I like to tag people with intentionality behind it, meaning that if it's something that features them, if it's something that uh you know, they wrote, if, it, if it's something that, that what you're sharing has something to do with that particular person, then yes. Now, if it's something that I want to recommend for somebody, I might, after it posts, 
put a comment in and then tag that person in the comment. But again, I don't want to necessarily spam that person with the post. Mm-hmm. And a peeve of mine is I get tagged in a bunch of stuff, especially when people write these articles and then I get tagged in it. And I'm like, wait a second, I don't even know you. And then this article has no value to me, but now my name's associated with this. And so now will people click on your article because you're using kind of my influence in this? I don't know. So I'm not a big fan of that, but my biggest tip for tagging people, and uh, this has served me very well. uh, I tried at least a couple times a week, if not more, um, just talk about somebody who's inspiring me and talk about somebody who's doing good work. And so especially people that are new, uh, people who are, um, you know, maybe trying to figure out what they want to do, people that you admire in the business say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate what this person does. And here's why I appreciate those people. You would not believe how much engagement you get on stuff like that, especially when you put a call to action out. This person has been really instrumental in my foundation. Who's that person for you? And boom, Mm. here it comes. And the great thing about those, Joe, is not only is it targeting that niche of the market that you have, but you're opening it up for engagement outside that market because everybody has those people that's kind of cheered them on and helped them throughout their career. So then here you get more more engagement and maybe more connections you may not have had otherwise. Wow, that's great. And then, so do you attach that to a link that you're sharing or is that like a standalone post? Um, it depends. So, uh, for yeah. example, it, um, there, I have a friend who has done a lot of these Articulate E-Learning Heroes challenges and I really have enjoyed watching him grow as as a designer. What I would do if I was putting a post about him, about how much he inspires me, is I'd mention him. I would link out to kind of maybe his design challenges and just because he's been posting them. And then I would maybe put that call call to action out there. Like, who's your, you know, e-learning hero? Like who, who's that person Mm -hmm. that really gets your creative juices going? And and again, it's a feel good, easy way to not only one, show yourself as a professional and appreciating other people just killing it in their craft, but we all need better news right now uh, with everything going Mm -hmm. on. I'm so sick of all the bickering and all like the trolling. I mean, and LinkedIn Mm -hmm. is not immune to it. I have gotten some of the most heinous direct messages from people calling me every name in the book for not opening up stuff of uh, my streams and, and things that I've done because I hit registration caps and all of this stuff. And you know, it's like, come on, like, let's be a little bit nicer and stuff. So, um, you know, I I just think that anything you can do to encourage people, it really goes a long way, because you just don't know what that person's currently going through. And just a nice reminder, again, it it situates you as a professional and somebody who cares beyond yourself. And who doesn't want to do business with someone like that? Yeah. Absolutely. Care about people. It's a message that's been repeated by many guests, especially recently on this show. So um, add add care to the list of people who are telling you, make it about the people. Uh, wow. We Well, we've been talking for a while now, and this was great. This was so great and concise that I can just lift my notes that I took and put them into the post that I'll eventually create for this, which is super rare. So thank you for that. Um, I want to end today's show with my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? What's that? What's a solid piece of advice, either in e-learning or just managing relationships on LinkedIn or whatever that you like to impart on people? Oh, okay. I'll put it in the phrase of kind of what we've talked about. And this is a peeve of mine. Please, for everything holy, know that you can update the URL of your LinkedIn. I judge you when it's your name with all these numbers and symbols and everything after it. So be very, very uh, clear with your branding. So across all social media platforms, I'm Karen North 11. And so that way, when people mm. search Kara North 11, that's me. Um, there's another Kara North that writes trashy romance novels. That is not me. Um, 
pretty cool, but not me. All right. Uh, But but because of that, I wanted to make sure that, you know, people knew it was me. So um, easy way to do that. You just go into your LinkedIn profile, hit edit, and then you can customize your URL. And that can also be fluid too. You can change it multiple times, but I just encourage you think about your own branding for you and your business change that blasted URL. I cannot stand it. And I judge you if your URL is, is this long convoluted thing. It's like, what are you doing? I'm going to go to LinkedIn <laughs> right now and check. I'm pretty sure I changed it to Jay Casabona because I am the same way. Like when YouTube wouldn't let me change my URL from like some crazy long like channel number to what it is now, uh, which is like just creator courses, I was like dying. I was like, please get me to 100 subscribers like super fast. Uh, so update your LinkedIn URL and more importantly, manage your brand online. I think that's the important part, right? I, I've got Jay Casabona on lock everywhere except for Skype. Uh, I'm like, I, I'm so upset. I don't know who has Jay Casabona. If you're listening, please. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I like grabbed that on Gmail in like 2004 or whatever, like right when they released it to the general public. And I've been using that ever since everywhere online. So, um, awesome. Kara, thank you so much. Where can people find you? I think you just kind of told us, but yep. where where can people find so you? LinkedIn and Twitter, primarily Kara North 11. That's C-A-R-A, North like the direction, the number 11. Um, you can find me there and I'd love to connect and uh, continue the conversation because I want to hear what you all do. There's your call to action. So I'd love to hear Ooh. what are your tips? What have you taken away? What are some tips that other people can grow their kind of LinkedIn presence with? I mean, that's the best thing about social media. We can all use it for good and learn together and, and grow. Love that. Uh, I will, again, link to those and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it. When you connect with Kara on LinkedIn, do not ask for a 15-minute call. Just say, I heard about you on How I Built It. Um, Well, Kara, thanks. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Yeah, of course. A pleasure to be here. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much to Kara for joining us this week. Uh, I loved what she talked about with your with the hashtag strategy, uh, tagging people and adding people to your network. I've been really guarded up until this point because I just assumed that people trying to add me to their network were recruiters or were trying to sell me uh, on something that I didn't want. And so I've been a bit more open about that, adding more people, especially if they kind of gave a good reason for wanting to connect. So thanks to Kara for all of the advice she gave us in this episode. You can find all of the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 178. Thanks to our sponsors for this week. They are iThemes, Light Tricks, and Circle CI. Again, that was iThemes, Light Tricks, and Circle CI. If you liked this episode, be sure to give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, get out there and build something.